It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey guys, welcome to the next episode of The Table. My name is Jason Squires. I am the host of this podcast. Um, This month we're talking about stage presence and transitions, um, which sounds like a boring topic, but it's going to come with some funny stories. Um, But before we get into that, I'm going to introduce my guest, my good friend, Randy Sherwood. Randy, how's it going, man? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, man. Great to see you. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me on your podcast. Yes. We've known each other for a long time, but this this is a fun... We get to... We have to we have to record our conversations, which may or may not be a good idea. I'm not sure, but yeah. it's gonna be yeah, good. I, I think uh, going back to 2007. Is it, yeah, that's a, that would be yeah. That sounds about right. That's about 16 years. <clears throat> wow, time's flying. Yeah, time is flying. Hey, tell us about you. Tell us about Randy. Where you're coming from, and kind of um, all things Randy Sherwood. Yeah, um, my wife and I we live in Eagle, Idaho. And uh, we moved here in 2019 and uh, to start a church. Uh, been pastoring for a long, long time. Uh, didn't set out to be a church planter, but now have started three different churches. And um, like I said, moved here in 2019 to start a campus uh, with our church, South Hills Church. Um, it's based in Southern California. And I've been with them since 2014. Um, and absolutely love it here. Love where we live. Love that we have gotten to, to do the things that we've done and, and start the churches that we've been a part of. And, um, and uh, we have four kids and they're amazing. We have a couple of uh, adult children and um, a 13 year old and an eight year old. And so uh, they keep us, um, they keep us young, even though we're not that young, we're still running in the circles of all the young parents, uh, which is kind of weird, even though we're old enough to be most of their parents. Um, and so, but, uh, but you haven't, yeah. got, you haven't got the grandkid question. Have you, is this your grandson? Um, is that, your, I hope not. I, you say that, that I just, we I just, have gotten plenty of those. Actually we were, uh, when Kelton was, uh, quite a bit younger, um, and he was maybe two or three, we've had moments where we were out at the store with them and people were like, Oh, you're out with grandma and grandpa. That's so awesome. <laughs> Um, which <laughs> I wear, back. I wear as a badge of honor, but my wife does not appreciate very much at all. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's, well, that's amazing. Fun. That's amazing. Hmm. Hey, well, uh, this month we're talking about stage presence and transitions, and um, you are a lead pastor. A lot of times we talk to worship leaders, but I like to get the lead pastors into these conversations because uh, you have a different perspective, obviously in this conversation than somebody who might be up on stage leading worship in. But before we do that, I wanted to start this podcast off with, if we're talking about transitions and there's got to be a story in there somewhere, something that's happened at your church that was just funny or it's a funny, funny thing that you've done kind of tell us if there's something in there. Yeah. um, Well, I I mean, certainly I've had lots of ridiculous moments myself. Most of those unfortunately have come, while I'm speaking, not necessarily in the transition of a service or something like that. Uh, but um, we have um, over the years, like most of the people that are serving at our churches, because we've been smaller, launching um, new churches 
have all been volunteers. And so um, typically the people that are on the stage are volunteering. And uh, we actually have been, um, we have a, a, a kid that's been um, hosting for us for a while. Uh, he happens to be our drummer and just an amazing kid. Great heart, loves God, loves people, super likable, um, but um, have spent the last couple of years really like training and spending time bringing him along as a host. And he does a great job. Um, but there's been a couple of moments where, uh, he's just kind of frozen up or forgot what he was doing. And, uh, one actually happened, um, just a couple of uh, months ago where he was in the middle of talking and kind of, we were coming out of a, a video and he right into kind of what, here's what our church is about. And he's talking to guests and he's, I mean, he's just nailing it is the best that he's ever done in his little spiel and he's going for it. And then right in the middle, just loses it all the wheels come off he freezes up goes blank i'm standing next to him on stage i don't actually know what's going on um because i'm just like in the flow of listening to what he's saying waiting yeah. thinking about what i'm about to say yeah boom he just stops and i look over at him and he looks at me with like terror in his eyes and he's just like i just i don't i don't even i, I don't remember what i was saying mid-sentence yeah. mid-thought in, just in the middle, froze. In the middle of the oh. sentence just boom oh. just dropped it and uh and and everybody you know he's so likable that our church is always just with him and rooting for him and loves him and, and then and then everybody just kind of fell out laughing so it ended up being kind of a fun funny moment and uh but it was just one of those really super unexpected uh <laughs> things that caught me off guard uh and it was great it was great we just kind of uh pivoted and turned it into something that that ended up being kind of a fun little experience and so um he he felt terrible but uh, it was a great, great moment in our service. So that's awesome. That, yeah. yeah. Those, that moment when you're standing there and you're like, I don't even know, I I've, I don't even know what to say next or, but everybody's staring at us. What yeah. do you do? <laughs> that's the worst. That's yeah. the worst. I don't think anybody who's sitting in the crowd knows what that feels like. That's no. a, like, you don't even, cause you have to be thinking ahead of yourself. Like you're, yeah. you're like in front of yourself and thinking behind and um, that, that happens. I do that sometimes as a worship leader because you're, as you're, you're always thinking like into the next verse, and you're always, you're always like a half a song ahead. Right. And you know, I've n- numerous times gone, did I do the second verse yet? Did I? Do- I think I did the second verse. Right. I don't know that I. Are we going to do it again? I do the inner panic sets in, and you're like, yeah. okay, well, it's fine. Yeah. We're just going to do it again, or maybe the first time. <laughs> I don't know if I did it already once today, but it might have happened. I don't know. But anyway, strangely, it's when you catch up to yourself is when you get lost. <laughs> Yes, it's, exactly. Like, as long as you stay ahead of yourself, you're like, okay, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, but when you catch up and you're not ahead, that's when you're just like, where? Am ah. I? Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Hey, so you guys have always done a pre-service walkthrough, um, yeah. which I think is just such a great way to like clear out the obstacles in in uh, in what's going to happen. And tell us a little bit about that. Who's involved in that conversation, and also why why is that important? Um, to to do that and set aside time to do that. Sure. Um, yeah. I, like honestly, I think the biggest obstacle to doing it is for most of us, our services are pretty standard. They're pretty yeah. similar week in, week out. And so the biggest obstacle to doing it is just the mental obstacle of like it's the same as it was last week. You know, like just do the same things. Um, but it's incredibly helpful. Uh, and so it's something we've we've done for many, many years. And um, so basically we we include everyone in, in 
uh, in our production huddle, we call it a production huddle. Uh, we include everyone who's going to be on the stage, um, everyone who is in the tech booth or at the tech table, um, pushing stuff, pushing buttons in charge of anything that's happening back there. Um, and, and, and including, um, anybody that's on our worship team, um, because we want the whole entire team, all the musicians, all anybody involved in production. We have a volunteer that, um, is kind of our production coordinator and, um, and she typically leads that production huddle. Um, and, and, be, and it's just, um, you, you'd be surprised how, um, the the reason what that is the obstacle that I just mentioned to doing it, why that's the reason that you need to do it because it's so easy for everybody to just be on autopilot and um, and not have the mentality of like, hey, we want for this to be as as good as we can possibly. We want to remove yeah. all the obstacles, all the distractions, and. <clears throat> And because it is the same and because, you know, you have volunteers and, and I mean, even paid staff can fall into this. Um, but, but everybody just kind of hits autopilot because they know what's coming and they're, so they, they're not paying attention. And, and that's where some of the issues in the service happen, right? Because then the, the music doesn't get turned down at the same time that, you know, and, and just all those little cues and those little transitions. Um, so the transition thing, I appreciate you bringing me on. It's something that I'm super passionate about. Yeah, yeah, yeah massive difference in the experience that people have when they come to church yeah and i love the i love that you you the hurdle is like we've done it before and so um that is a that is the thing where i've been in a lot of conversations with with people in ministry or leadership and they just go we don't need to do it because we know what we're doing and you go but what if you don't or what if what if you know um there's a curveball on a on a sunday you know what if what if you know you need to be able to like anticipate what's coming and not assume that it's it's going to be what it is um cuz there's nothing there's nothing worse than like uh than a big like a big hiccup or like in a in the middle of a a moment because as a worship as a as a worship team as a church as a pastor pastoral team like our job is to is to create a space free of distraction right. and and that is um that's where that comes from and um now with 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 that in mind, why would you say it's important to be intentional with church, like being meaning intentional with with what we're doing, intentional with what we're doing on stage? Um, why do you see that? What why why is there importance in uh, making sure that we're doing it in the in the um, free of distraction? Yeah, I, I mean, one of the things that I we probably talk about multiple times a month. Um, is there's no such thing as it's just another Sunday. It's just another Sunday. I mean, it's just another Sunday for us, but um, we, we we try to keep front and center for us every single week that today is somebody's first Sunday. Today is the culmination of a conversation that God's been having with somebody and working on them and inviting them and drawing them to himself. It's the culmination yes. of somebody who for the first time took the risk to invite their friend or took the risk to hand an invite card to their neighbor or invite their coworker. And for them, it's not just another Sunday for them. They got up that morning and they have excitement and a little bit of fear and some anxiety. The people who are coming to church for the first time or for the first time in a long time. Um, and, and, and so we want to be aware that, in the room, this this may be just another Sunday to us, 
but God is here and people are here to meet with God and, and the experience they have from the moment they walk in into the door, you know, uh, the, the, whether the coffee they have or whatever, but certainly once they get into the service um, that we want to create an environment, it's not a show for sure. We're not trying to put on a show. Right, 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 right. We all have to acknowledge like there is a, a level of production that's going on here. And, and because we're human beings and because we're sensory beings, like our ability to connect with and experience God in those moments is connected to all of the things that we're seeing and hearing and tasting and experiencing when we're sitting in that service. And so we want to remove all of those distractions. Um, and certainly the transitions in the service um, maybe are that once, once you nail the big pieces, and that's usually where we where we put all of our time and energy and effort, you know, as, as pastors and leaders and worship leaders and, you know, as like the music and the actual songs and then the preaching of the actual message. But sometimes um, those things, the success, if you want to use that word, or the effectiveness of those moments actually hinge on the transitions in and out of those moments. And I didn't come up with this, but I heard it years ago and it's something I tell our team. Uh, and that is like, huge doors swing on tiny hinges and the big pieces of the service hinge sometimes on these tiny little things of these transitions. And, uh, and, and then, you know, the person I heard talking about this, they use the example of like, you watch, like you, you can have the biggest, most beautiful, perfect, you know, unique door that was, from some barn in 1830 that was built out of this tree and struck by lightning. So it's got this thing. And, but if it doesn't have hinges holding it to the wall, you know, or you can't get through it, it doesn't function. Like it's just, it's just something pretty to look at. Um, and so, uh, so for me, all of the production stuff and being intentional about how we're trying to do it. Um, and, and, just, and, you know, sometimes you gotta be realistic. Like, we know we're not a big budget church. We know we're a church plant, but it doesn't stop us from really putting effort into, we want to be able to do this as good as we can do it. Yeah. So that our service is distraction free and people can experience God. So good. So good. This is why we're friends. Like you get, you just get it. I get the, 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 the intentionality into church is, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard because Every time Sunday finishes, another Sunday's coming. Yes. And it like in like monotony and routine, you know, set up, there's a donut table, coffee, you got the your pipe and drape, the lights, the and then we do church, we put it away, we go back and you guys are mobile church. And uh going into it with intention changes the whole mindset, first off. Yep. And and then I love I love that it uh that because that that goes into your volunteers and into your into the people that you're working with. And into the into the whole uh, into the whole the scope of what's going on, um, and I think that like there's a um, like understanding why and uh, why we do it, and understanding that actually helps to reframe the uh, the monotony to where you go. It's not monotonous if you know why you're doing it. Right, it gives you purpose to get up in the morning and purpose to get to church and do the things you're doing. Um, now you talked a minute ago about the host. Uh, and I wanted to come back to that for a second. You can you tell us? I I know what it means, but can you tell us what you mean by somebody hosting the service? Because um, the 
a lot of times that just kind of comes with whoever's on stage, but you guys actually have an intentional host to kind of open and close and kind of help the service move along. Yeah. Um, so we use host. I mean, I guess the the non-church word for that would kind of be the person that MCs the service. Yep. Um, and uh and they're the ones, um, they're the main voice of the service. You know, so we have three main voices um on the stage from the service. We have the worship leader, um, we have the pastor who's speaking, and then we have the the MC or the host, the person that's hosting the service. Um, and, and, and that person, um, is critical because they, uh, oftentimes are the ones that are primarily handling, um, the, the transitions between different moments in the service. And so, um, so, you know, that we have, we've put a lot of time and intentionality into, because that person, what happens in those moments between leading up to between and after worship and, and the teaching, um, those are actually, you know, um, th- those are actually the, the experiences that make or break what people experience when they're, ch- when they're at church. So yeah, that's, that's what we, that's what we call that, that person is the host. Good. It's good. And it's, it's actually another person you're at, you're asking to do it. So it's not just the <laughs> worship leader who has the mic or the guy that's, that, that's preaching, Correct. It's bring it to bring it in somebody that can help kind of move things along. Um, yeah. and also, you know, if there needs to be something that happens on stage, like the band's walking up, somebody else is talking. And yeah. so there's always something, always something happening. Yep. I love it. So now you as a pastor, when you preach, you you, you script out your messages, right? Mm-hmm. As, as, as to what you're saying. How has that helped you process what you're saying from stage and actually getting getting across? I know a lot of guys, they'll do points or some people. I mean, I I as a worship leader... Um, in between songs, just kind of have a general thought as to what I want to say. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes that can get away from me. I know that the, the moments where I'm like, I've gone to, or it makes only makes sense to me. And it didn't actually communicate that well, but you, you're writing things out and um, scripting out your talk, your, your message. How's, like I said, how's that helping you process what you're saying? Yeah. Um, so, well, I've, I've been in ministry, um, since 1995, we planted our first church in 2007. Um, and so, uh, done a ton of speaking and then been speaking weekly since 2007. Um, and, uh, I, I haven't always done, done it the way that I do it now. I used to, um, I used to be much more just kind of little hints and notes and reminders and points and that kind of thing. Um, but what I've found is that um, over the years is that um, if I want if I want to be much more focused, if I want to be um, much more um, precise and concise in the things that I'm saying, um, it's much better for me to think through ahead of time and begin to write out and kind of script out um, what I'm saying. And, and the the challenge can be um, at least that what I found is that um, we uh, we talk in ways the way that we talk about things and the way that we write about things um, are two different we we they're, they're, we communicate in different ways and for instance when I write um, I'm you know when I write things down it's much more formal um, you know I'll use language that's more formal I'll use um, analogies and, and things that I, that I wouldn't say in an everyday conversation. And so, 
Um, surprisingly, though, scripting it out, what it's done is challenged me to think through the moments and 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 actually, when I stand up to speak on Sunday, speak in a way as if I'm speaking conversationally with somebody. That I was I will use language and examples and um, and verbal sort of cues in in the way that I'm talking um, that are that are not what I would write, what I would write down if I was writing the same thing to somebody. And for me, that's really, really important. Honestly, like there's been people over the course of the last couple of months, um, uh, there's people in our church, people that I'm friends with that have ministries that are writing and creating things for people um, and have asked me to like lean in and edit things. And what do you think about the way this is worded? Um, and one of the things that for me is such a big deal as I've like read through the things that they've shared with me is like, this is really good. It's true and it's accurate, but it's not super accessible because it's not the way that you would say it if you were saying it in a conversation. Mm. And so, um, so for me, the scripting process that sounds really counterintuitive because I'm writing it all down. Um, but when I script it out and I write it all down and then step back and begin to read through it and think through talking through it and how I would actually say it if I was just sitting one-on-one -on -one talking with somebody and explaining a biblical concept or something about God or talking to them about like, and it helps me see where my thinking is mostly when I'm making notes for my sermon, my thinking is about how I would write it. And I don't want to say it how I would write it. So um, that scripting it all out helps me expose the areas where I would say something that's true and accurate and helpful, but not as accessible to, especially to unchurched people. Um, and so that the scripting process really helps me kind of flesh out and uncover those moments um, in, in my message so that I can tighten them up and change the language a little bit. That's good. And like that, have you, and have you seen from when you started doing that to now, feeling like you're you're communicating better oh it, it's it's a massive difference it's a massive difference like i you know if you're if you're a pastor listening to this and i, I know like i feel the weight obviously of of preaching and teaching every week um and you know at, at the same time i just want to encourage you man get get better at your craft like work at learning how to speak, you know, seek out critique, seek out input, seek out feedback, listen to yourself, break down what you're saying. Don't just analyze it for truth. Of course you want to do that. Don't just um, analyze it for theological accuracy. Um, look at it through the lens of, of the person who is new to church, new to faith, never been to church. Um, is this accessible? Does this make sense to them? And, uh, and, and for me, that one piece of how would I say this to a neighbor who I know is not, you know, I've been trying to work on and invite them to church. Um, how would, how would I approach this conversation with them? Um, that, that piece has been really, really helpful. And, and honestly, like, I think it's the thing that's helped me realize, um, where I have made strides as a communicator and being much more effective in helping people get um, complex ideas from the scriptures and really tap into truth about who God is and and how he loves them. So, yeah. Love it. Now talk to the pastor who's sitting here listening, like 
they they they're realizing I have not been intentional with transitions. I have not been intentional with my message. I've I've once that, now that you're bringing these points up, we've really fallen into a rut, and we're not we're not we're, we're we are not doing church with intentionality. We're doing it to just check a box every week, or um, we're not actually focusing on tightening up our transitions. You know that how to talk to them. Kind of what are some some like maybe broad stroke thoughts to kind of go, how do I get started down this path? How do I, you know, like I need to think about ways to implement some of these ideas. Where where, where would you, where would you take them in that conversation? Yeah. I mean, the, I think the first thing that I would say is um, just a piece of advice that one of my coaches gave me when I first planted, uh, uh, you know, we've planted our first church um, and that was a pastor. His name is Chuck Wysong. He's an awesome pastor. And uh, he was, he was my church planning coach. And uh, I remember him um, messaging me multiple times in that first year. And, uh, and he would just say, Hey, there's a million things, you know, you can do better. Just pick one, pick one and get better at it this week. And, uh, and so, you know, I know it can be, you know, especially if, if you're in that situation, like what you just described, where you're just starting to sort of, you know, wrap your head around like, Hey, we, we do need to get better. We have been in a rut and, and you know, where do we start? And, um, and I would just say, like, if you're in that situation, hey, just pick one and get better at that thing. Um, you know, I, I, I think that um, if you, you know, one of the things that we have done that's, that can be real challenging is we're a church that really wants to reach unchurched people. And so we have taken the YouTube um, videos of our services and, um, and, I've, and I've given them to um, you know, and ask, ask people that are unchurched that don't attend our church, you know, that I'm friends with to watch certain segments and, uh, and, oh, or, wow. you know, we've actually, um, we've actually had, we, in, at all of the churches that we planted, we've invited people that we know personally as unchurched people go, Hey, like, I know church is not your thing. Um, and I'm not trying to trick you into coming to church. Would you, be like a secret shopper. Would you come on a Sunday and just visit our church? And then could I meet with you next week? And you just give me feedback about everything. Um, and, uh, and, and just be prepared because. Yeah. Oh, yeah. um, Wow. You know, it's, it can be really challenging because, um, they're coming at it, you know, and and you have to be careful. Like, right. I mean, you want to pick people that you trust that are not that are for you, right? They're not looking to destroy your, you know, your, your whole heart. You know, they're not, they're not going <laughs> to like, you're an idiot. You're, you should never be a past, you know, you don't want that kind of thing. Um, but you do want people who are in the target audience that you're trying to reach. Um, you know, you do want people that are in that demographic to be able to say, Hey, this is, this was really cool. Or, and, and I'll tell you what, you'll be surprised. You'll actually be pleasantly surprised at some of the things that you don't know that you're doing that are already connecting with people because to you you're just on autopilot and you don't realize like oh this is a big deal um every time we've done it we've been surprised at <clears throat> by the feedback that we've gotten at things that we didn't think were a big deal but they were a big deal to that person mm-hmm. um, when they came in and the stuff that we thought like, oh, we're really putting a lot of energy and effort into this thing. And they were like, yeah, that I, I didn't care about that. That was not that big deal. 
Um, and, and, and it's just helpful that way because when you're in the church bubble, you know, you get sort of confined to what you think is supposed to be happening and the way it should happen. So, so if you're in that situation, I I would just say, pick one thing, get better at it. You know, it's hard when you're in it. So get some out, get some outside perspective. You know, if you haven't, if you're, if you video your service or you live stream it, I would say get together with all of the people, all the key players, your worship leader, and you guys together sit and watch a couple of services um, because we just don't do that. Right. We don't, we don't consume our own service. Right. um, But if you do, you you would be surprised how helpful that would be because you'll just be like, Oh, that's a cringy moment. And Oh, why did that, you know? Um, And, and you will actually have to come face to face with some of the stuff that we're talking about and really try to work on it. Oh, and see, because when you're in it and you're up there, you don't actually, you you, you maybe don't feel what's being communicated right. when you're watching it. Uh, during COVID, when everybody was filming church and um, I, and like watching it, I was at a church where we were filming it live most Sundays. We'd film it from the church and we'd just basically live stream from the stage. Um, but one Sunday we actually, fi- we filmed it and then I was home when we watched it. And I'm sitting on the couch. And one of the things that I said from stage was, hey, everybody at home, stand up with us while we sing. And I was like, I don't want to stand up right now. <laughs> and my girls were like, Dad, you said to stand up. And I was like, but I I don't I don't want to stay. I'm not going to say that ever again. I didn't realize how not yeah. how much I don't want to stand up right now when I'm you know, when I'm watching TV, when I'm watching church on the, on TV. So it was just a funny, funny speaking of watching yourself. So, well, and I, I think the thing that it does is like, we all know, like, obviously the, the sound and that, that kind of experience um, when you're not in the room, you know, when you're watching over live stream I and mean, we've all seen the memes about, you know, how it sounds in the room versus how it sounds on the live stream. Right. Um, and so obviously you got to take that into account, but I, for me, um, watching, you know, the consuming the live stream or watching a recording is actually close when, especially when it comes to the transitions and the things that are actually said, like your example, the things that are said from the stage, the live stream is actually closer to what people experience in the room than what you experience on the stage. Yep. And so, um, and so those cringy moments where you're like, Oh, why did I say that? Yeah, there's there's more grace in the room because there's more going on when you're in the room, you know, that people are sort of tapped into. But that experience is closer to the reality than what than than you're because when you're on the stage, you're just kind of oblivious to what people are experiencing mostly. Totally. And so so that's why I think it can be helpful. Have you ever been you've I, I I've sent people out to greeting so many times, like to go greet go greet your neighbor. And then a couple of times I've been in the crowd and I'm like, oh. I don't like, I don't know that I want to turn around and I, do I want to say hi to people? Is this, is it, how do I, I need to, I need to say that better and kind of experiencing it versus, versus yeah. doing it. So yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, that's kind of a, I know that's a, that's a, a big conversation on whether to have like greeting time in service. Um, and uh, it's certainly one that as a church, we've talked about a lot. Um, and, and, and it really breaks down almost along the like introvert, extrovert sort of (laughs) lines. Um, and, uh, and so we, we have, we try to limit that time to, we literally in our service time, it's 10 seconds. 
And so ten. we get Good. 10 seconds. Um, and because any more than that, the introverts in the room start like wanting to die or leave. And, and so uh, it, we literally just say, hey, thanks for worshiping with us. Would you give somebody a high five as you're grabbing your seat? And we have a clock on the stage so that the host doesn't let it go longer than 10 seconds. That's <laughs> yes. Yeah. You see people start leaving the room at a certain yeah. time, every service you're like, I can make a beeline for the exit. And it's tempting because sometimes people are greeting and it's loud and it's great energy. And those of us that are extrovert, I'm an extrovert. Yeah. I just want to like, I just want to let that sit for a minute and kind of, you know, milk all the juice out of that moment that we can. But um, my wife is really helpful in those moments because she is an extreme introvert. And so it doesn't matter that there's energy in the room. She wants to die and not be there. And so uh, so the clock is for people like me who have a tendency to want to be like, oh, people are talking. Let's let them get it out. No, no, no. Uh, like we bring we cut it off at 10 seconds bring it back and move forward that's amazing yeah i love it man so we call this podcast the table um and i believe good conversation happens over good food and so if i'm coming over to the sherwood house for dinner uh what would be on the table what would be other than popcorn because i know you're a popcorn fanatic i am you got to have your popcorn before bed every single night Every every single night you take it with you when you travel like it's, in, it's you got your your certain brain you got to get restock the popcorn now is there are you having popcorn for dinner i don't know how this what's <laughs> no, happening in the sherwood no, house no i uh, uh i'm and my wife doesn't like popcorn and so uh i'm alone in my uh my appreciation it's the perfect food uh if i'm being honest <laughs> uh is it a snack is it a meal i don't know it's both um and so yeah i do have popcorn every night but is it a snack um, is it a meal <laughs> um, it's both flavor it whatever you want it's fine. yeah absolutely so i mean like one of the one of the things that uh you and i have in common is that um we both really appreciate uh good eats and um and so uh, i mean it's so hard because there's so many things i do actually enjoy but uh, if you were coming to my house, I think, um, well, and this will resonate with you as a as a as a fellow man of the grill. I think I would probably take to the grill and uh, and we'd have some sort of tri tip in uh, potatoes, maybe some skewers or some grilled vegetables or meat and potatoes, corn. meat and potatoes yeah. and veggies. Hundred percent. You can't go 100%. wrong. You just can't go no. wrong with that. That's not people who don't do that. You just go. It's what's wrong with you? Like it's yeah. such a good just a good spread it's a good yes it all of the textures all of the colors all of the flavors it presents well it tastes amazing yeah it's it's hard to beat it's hard to beat now you guys have a lot of good restaurants in eagle i've been up there many times and you guys yes. i've you've i've seen mexican food i think we went to a, a, yep. a barbecue place once yep there's you guys have some good, some good food yeah it's important Mex- to have good food like, around you if i was choosing you know i uh, my favorite thing is mexican food uh but um but you were specific about coming to my house and so i won't make you mexican food uh if we were going out i would probably take you to mexican food yes Uh, but (laughs) i've eaten that i've eaten at your favorite mexican food restaurant and that's absolutely they had the table set for you and they knew what you were drinking this is how (laughs) this is how you how how much you 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 you, you frequent them wish that wasn't true but it is yeah (laughs) hey man i appreciate you hanging out today 
I appreciate all yeah. the all that you do to put in, and and then pouring into other leaders uh, through this podcast and uh, just your just your ministry and our relationship and our friendship over the years, man. It's good. Yeah, me too. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. No problem. No problem. We will see everybody next week.